Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Our guest this morning is Jessica Thero with Cool Art Group. She's also the founder of Soul for Sisters. After spending some time in commercial real estate, she joined the Cool Art Group in 2014. I'll ask you later, why did you leave our industry? <laughs> the Cool Art Group is a family business that helps families and business plan for the future. Jessica also founded the non-profit group Souls for Sisters. There's a song, no? Sister Souls. Yes, sister yes. Soul. there are a few of them. <laughs> a few of them out there. Which focuses on women's rights around the world. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. Thanks good for morning, having Tara. me. Good morning, Tara. Good morning, good morning. Um, so David mentioned that um, you joined the, the Coulard Group. It's a family business. So mm-hmm. your dad started it. Mm-hmm. And then you left David's fabulous business of commercial real estate and made the move. Why? <laughs> I know. To join your dad. You know, it was one of the hardest decisions I've, I've ever made because it's a really fabulous business, the commercial real estate business. I know business. you worked for the wrong company, but... Uh... <laughs> That's right. You know, I had a really fantastic experience in that industry, but something kind of was just calling me from a passion standpoint that there was, you know, maybe a different direction to head. Um, I had already always had an entrepreneurial pull. And so my dad had never really pushed me or, you know, pushed me too far into coming into the business. But when I thought it might be time for a change, he said, you know, why don't you come on in and take a look at our business? Uh, and as soon as I did, I really quickly fell in love with it. Um, and yeah, that's where I was meant to be. But I loved my time in commercial real estate. It was an incredible start to my career. How did your time in commercial real estate help you in this job? Mm. How did it prepare you? Well, and I'm sure as you can attest, David, It's, I think it's a great training camp for anyone who wants to get started in business. You have to work really hard. You meet a lot of incredible people. It's competitive. Um, so I think that it's just a really great way to get trained in being a hard worker and having that entrepreneurial spirit, getting mm-hmm. connected with a lot of people in the business community. Um, I think the skills are very transferable to a lot of different industries. Yeah. What kind of, what, uh, what market segment did you work in? I was in industrial. Oh, industrial leasing and mm-hmm. sales. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I know some of the people. <laughs> Now so, I know why you left. Oh. <laughs> I love the people. The people were incredible. I had great mentors. Yeah. She is a professional. Yeah. She's a professional. Uh, well, diplomatic. Well, I, you know, many years ago, they used to say that Xerox is the place to uh, get to train on mm. sales. I think what Jessica said, in our industry, especially on the brokerage side, it's a great tool. It's a great way to get into sales. It doesn't matter what you sell later. So now mm-hmm. you sell something else. Mm-hmm. What do you sell now? <laughs> well, I don't love that word sell, though, don't, right? Um, we all sell. We do sell, yeah. So our firm is in um, two primary kind of arms of business. We primarily work with business owners. Uh, so one arm would be in the employee benefit space. So we work with business owners on designing, implementing their employee benefit program. Um, and then also on the insurance planning and the estate planning side. So working with those business owners on the insurance tools that they need in their business and as well as personally. Okay. So then what is it from a personal standpoint that you think is really important for people to think about with planning for the future? Yeah. Well, I think that there's so many people out there that tend to procrastinate 
in this type of planning and, you know, things like thinking about their estate, thinking about, you know, what would happen if something went wrong. Mm-hmm. It's really easy for people to procrastinate because it's not always a fun conversation or a fun thing to think about. And so I really think the most important thing for, you know, individuals or for businesses is just to get started. Because usually once you get started, momentum is created and, you know, it feels good to check those things off your list and to start the plan. And once you get started, I find that it's much easier to keep going um, and work through that process in time. What are the risks of not planning (laughs) (laughs) for these types of things? Just for the record, you know, I was an insurance broker. I had my insurance brokerage before. I did know that. I did not know that. So you and I have switched places. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I've done... uh, benefits and life insurance mm-hmm. and uh, disabilities as well. Okay. And uh, when I immigrated here, I said, uh, I want a different industry. That's why I joined commercial real estate. Okay. So going back to Tara's question, um, I want to add to that. She, uh, she's, the recent events that we went through, mm-hmm. are people more aware of this or not? I think so. I think it brought to light the, you know, for many of us, we feel invincible to some way. You know, it's not going to happen to me. I'm healthy. I'm young. Nothing's going to happen to me. I think what happened in the pandemic was that people realized that things could happen a lot easier than maybe they had imagined before. Um, But then it's really easy to go back the other way once we have gotten through and out the other side. But, you know, to come to that question about the risk, I really think that the biggest risk is, I mean, you can talk about the financial risks and things like that. But if something happens to you that's unexpected, you know, what happens to the life that you're leaving behind, to the people that you're leaving behind, to the business you're leaving behind? Have you planned for it such that it can continue in a manner that you would have wanted? So the risk in not planning is that it's likely not going to continue in the manner that you would have wanted. The people that you're left behind are going to be picking up the pieces. So what if uh, through your business, through your company, they've given you a life insurance plan as part of their benefits and you're like, oh, I'm, everything's taken care of because mm. I, got, I got everything dealt with through the business. Mm-hmm. Should they also be looking at supplementing that from a personal standpoint? For sure. You know, I think that it's a great, I always think about that employee benefit offering mm-hmm. as a supplement. Okay. It's a really nice to have, but what you don't have with that is control. And I think especially for younger people out there, control is the most important thing in your plan. How can you have things that you can control, that you have flexibility with? And an employee benefit plan, for the most part, doesn't really offer those things. Mm. So to have your own coverage that you own, that you can control, gives you that comfort that if something happens to that benefit plan, you still have something. You mentioned it's a tough conversation, and I remember from my early days, how do you start a conversation with a family about death, disability? <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's a very w- weird conversation to start. Yeah. How does it work? How do you do it? Oh, that's a that's a long question. Um, I think it really it has to start, you know, we don't really always just dive right into that question. <laughs> it really actually tends to evolve, you know, through conversation about talking about what people hope for with their lives. Mm. And as people really start to spend time, which is a big part of what I do with people, which is why I love what I do, is spending that time with them to talk about what they hope for in their lives, for their kids, for their businesses, for their spouses. And through that, they really realize those risks. And they really realize, okay, if something happens here, this is, you know, there's work that needs to be done. And then the conversation becomes a lot easier. I didn't really start thinking about these types of things until 
I had kids. Yeah. And we, that's when, you know, we looked at the will and it was really odd to have to think about all the things that they ask you when you're putting your wills together. Um, but when should people really start to think about planning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think kids is usually the most common catalyst. Yeah. Um, but certainly home ownership. You know, many people own homes before they have kids. That's a really great time to consider doing some planning. Um, but really, the younger and the healthier that you are, the easier it is to put in some of those tools. And it doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't have to be expensive. Uh, but there's things that you can start to do at a very young age just to start to put those building blocks together. I have to share with you a story. So when I was uh, in the insurance industry, that was back in Israel, um, I s- invested with a friend in a different company. And um, at a certain point, I moved to work in the company with him. And my condition was, I had a term, one of my conditions was that we'll do, uh, both of us will have insurance, mm-hmm. including disability. Six months after we started, he, he, um, they found out that he has a tumor in his brain. Uh, in his head mm. and he went through a surgery and almost lo- almost lost his eyesight his luck was that we had this insurance so and he was young he was like 40 healthy three kids um, he's now a lawyer through that program because the insurance companies don't want to carry you for 80 years or whatever so they paid for his university he became a lawyer so going back to your question, now I'm putting my life insurance mm-hmm. head on. Tara, the sooner you start, the better. It's like saving for retirement. It's like protecting. We have one body and one health. Mm-hmm. It's not a car that we can, you know, switch a tire, switch. And, you know, it's, as Jessica said, the earlier you start, the better it is for you for your premium as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On that, on those words (laughs) of wisdom from David, exactly. We're going to take a a quick break. (laughs) No, you're always (laughs) dropping those babies in. We're with Jessica Thoreau, the co-owner of the Coulard Group and founder of Souls for Sisters. We'll talk a little bit about your nonprofit group, Souls for Sisters, and dig into some other things about employee benefits right after the break. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. We're back with Jessica Thoreau, the co-owner of the Kular Group and founder of Souls for Sisters. And we also want to just take a moment to thank Calgary Economic Development because they sponsor this show, Calgary Next. So without their support, we wouldn't be able to interview fabulous entrepreneurs like Jessica. So, so Jessica, let's talk about the foundation. Sure. Uh, tell us about it. Share with us what it, what, what's behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, back in 2011, so quite some time ago now, um, I traveled to Africa to do some work with a women's organization. Uh, And I was just quite, you know, moved by that experience that there are probably so many incredible grassroots organizations around the world helping women. Um, And what I really learned during that time was that myself as a woman being born in Canada um, have just the most incredible access to opportunity and rights and education and that a big part of where I am today is because of where I was born. 
And so I just felt compelled to try to do something to support some of these organizations that are helping women to get some of those same opportunities. Um, so I started Solstice Sisters when I came back um, and did a few years of work trying to raise money for a few different organizations, um, Africa and Guatemala. Um, but then I started having uh, some children and joined my father in the business. And so it did get put on the back burner for a few years while I had my three kids. Um, but this year, um, I've decided to really try and get it back, um, but maybe with a bit more of a local focus, appreciating that, you know, I can do that same work right here in the city without needing to travel abroad, which I don't really have an opportunity to do as much right now mm. in at my life. So um, this year, trying to focus on some organizations right here in Calgary that we can support. Um, so this year, we've done a few events for the Heart Home Network, um, just formerly the Brenda Stratford Foundation. And so, yeah, I'm excited to get back. You know, it's a small endeavor right now, but, um, you know, I feel that, you know, even if we can help just one woman, mm -hmm. you know, to get some better opportunity, then that is time well spent. Good for you. You know, it just takes people who have that passion to do something about it. So, so I'm trying, Tara and I spoke about it many times, and um, I'm trying to get more women into our industry. Mm -hmm. There are endless opportunities in our industry. How can we get more women in Calgary and Canada into our industry? Great I question. think they will do great. I agree. I very much agree. Um, I think in many, especially sales-related businesses, one of the biggest barriers that women face um, is that many of them are mothers. And sometimes the time commitment that is expected of kind of an older school way of thinking where, you know, it's a 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. type of a business and you've got to get in there and put in the hours that's just not conducive for a lot of women who you know, want to also be present moms. And so I think that it just takes a shift in culture and a shift in thinking about how we work and how women might work a little bit differently, especially if they're moms. Totally agree. Yeah. I, I think that that's not just with your industry, mm -hmm. David. I think it's a lot of industries where there would be a lot more women who would want to come back even part-time mm -hmm. and they would be your most loyal and dedicated workers because they want to, to work outside of the home. So I yes. think that, that business owners are missing a huge opportunity with not just women, but men who stay at home as well. So stay-at-home parents um, who want a little bit of work or people who are going back into the workforce agree and still want to be present, as you say, with their kids. You know my company, and you know mm -hmm. I'm big on balance, and still I'm trying to get more women to come to the industry, and it's so tough to get them. I don't know. It seems that women have a barrier. They put like hurdles in front of their own feet. I don't need to get involved. Mm -hmm. Oh, What do you see? <laughs> well, I, I would like to know more about that. Like, okay, what do you we'll mean? What after. type of hurdles? What hurdles? Um, Did they put David's in the hot seat? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not in the hot seat. She's surrounded never, by women. I'm never in the hot seat, and I'm always like, I always like to be surrounded by women. By the way, <laughs> it's Tara, true. So. He like, he would have his whole office as women. <laughs> but but I think that um, you know when I interview uh, women and um, when I talk with them, it's they, they kind of um, hold back from moving forward, and and mm. I have to push them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what I said. You put hurdles in, your, in, in front of your own feet. And so I don't have to, be, to do that. Because, you know, I think we had some women, in, we have some women in, in, in the industry, and they're doing phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Because it's the issue of the sexes, right? But that's you, where you can create change, right? So, I mean, so that, we it's create, well documented question. that mm -hmm. women do that. They think they have to be perfect at everything yes. and 
tick all the boxes before they can take a certain job. Whereas men yeah. are like, I've never done that, but I can do it. <laughs> yeah. And so but I agree with you. it yeah. needs to be the men who say, you know what? No, you got this. Yeah. You got this job. Mm-hmm. I'm going to really push you to, to do it. I agree. Yeah. Just helping to foster that sense of confidence. Yeah. If that's something that's lacking uh, and to help foster, as it sounds like you already do, mm-hmm. an environment where women really feel like they can succeed there. Yeah. Well, you, you came from commercial real estate, which we did sales, and you now in, in insurance, which you do. Mm-hmm. I don't you, I know you don't like the world, but the word, but you do sales. Mm-hmm. So, from your experience, how can we get more women in, in 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 any industry that has to do with sales? Well, I think it is just to continue to because you have three kids. You said I do have, and three kids. and you still do it, right? And mm-hmm. you do foundation. Mm-hmm. So, where's the barrier? Yeah, I think it's just, it's something that happens in time as more women, you know, come into the industry and stay in the industry, can be mentors for other women in the industry. I think it's just something that does take time for women to, if there are women that are maybe lacking the confidence to know that they can do something, if they see other women in that business, in that industry, I think that really helps, but that just can't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just something that takes good leaders, good leaders and time. I want to move into um, employee benefits and talk about Mm -hmm. that for a second, because I'm wondering about how that whole world has evolved, because I feel like there's more and more being asked of employers to help employees from a benefits standpoint. So how are you seeing that shifting? What what is it that employees really want right now? What's what's important to them from a benefits standpoint? Yeah. It's a very quickly changing landscape mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and especially in a city like Calgary that has so much change happening. Um, employee benefits are something that I think employers really need to pay attention to what's happening. Just having that kind of basic traditional insured plan is still super important. I don't want to downplay the importance of that, but it's not really what employees are looking for as their whole offering. And I think that there's two big things. One is mental health and wellness you know, has never been a louder conversation. And it's also an area where I think um, from a public health standpoint, there's a lot of catching up still to do. And so employers, I think, are being looked to to help provide more mental health support and more wellness. Providing a culture of wellness and benefits that support that is a big thing. And flexibility. Recognizing that especially in younger demographics, people aren't looking for the same thing. So how can you put in tools that give employees the ability to put funds or put benefits toward what's important to their specific needs? Hmm. So a little bit of um, empowerment to make their own choices with some of the benefits. Yeah, I mean, someone Mm. who is, you know, in their 40s with three children who are getting braces and all those different things is very different than your 25-year-old employee um, who's single. They have different needs. And so having a one plan fits all style of benefits isn't necessarily the answer anymore. And how are you finding when you have discussions with business owners about this, how open are employers to um, having those discussions and opening up things about flexibility and mental health? Well, I think even just in the last year or two post-COVID, I see that across the board, more employers are now willing to address and discuss, especially mental health You know, I think pre-COVID, a lot of business owners thought, you know, I'm doing enough, you know, Mm -hmm. but now 
they're hearing from their employees that they're struggling. Employees are coming forward. Maybe they're seeing it in their own personal lives, in their own family, maybe with their own kids. Mm-hmm. That, wow, this is really something that you know we need to pay attention to, and I want to help support my team. So more and more, I think business owners are open to that discussion. It's such a big umbrella term, right? Mental yeah. health. Yeah. So w- what is it that we're, and I know we have like 30 seconds, okay. sorry. Yeah. But what is it we're really talking about when we are saying supporting employees ar- around mental health? Well, I think, and I'll try and give him a 20-second answer, but it's for sure providing flexible funds for people to go and get the help that they need. It can be very expensive to go out and find those practitioners that can help people get the support. So helping provide flexibility for that. And also wellness, what other tools, things like employee assistance plans that can give different Mm -hmm. types of support to help with preventative wellness. Thank you, Jessica Thero. Thank you. Partner and advisor at the Coulard Group. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges.